Welcome to the Courageous Entrepreneur Show. This is the show that shares information and inspiration to help you stand out when you hate standing out, sell your services even though you hate selling, and create the thriving, successful business you dream of and deserve. I'm your host, Winnie Anderson. The show features interviews with entrepreneurs who've overcome amazing challenges to create success on their terms and experts who share insight and practical information to help you move forward with courage, confidence, and clarity. The show is available in both video and audio formats on a variety of platforms, including iTunes, iHeartRadio, in the Google Play Store, on YouTube, and on my website at winnieanderson.com. If you like what you hear, I hope you'll share the show with others, and I hope you'll decide to become a fan of the show on my site at winnieanderson.com fans. When you do, you'll get episodes delivered right to your inbox, along with information, tips, and resources to help you, the introverted, mission-driven entrepreneur, consistently move forward to reach your biggest goals. You know, those of us in service businesses like coaching, consulting, healing, or other professional problem solvers, we start our businesses because we have been given talents that we love and we love to use and we want to use them all the time. We feel called to do the work that we do and we feel like we're on a mission to bring about some change in the world. You may have figured out a solution to a problem and you want to share that solution with the world. But then we realize that we have to figure out how to get clients so we can do that thing we love and do so well. And it's in that moment that we often come face to face with emotional baggage that we never knew we had or baggage we thought we had tucked away in that closet deep in the recesses of our mind. But until we deal with this issue and recognize that selling is really just helping people, it's helping them make a choice that's best for them, we're left to struggle. We might struggle to make sales at all, and when we do that, it means that we're not generating the income we want and need. It means that we might even be struggling to survive or struggling to thrive. We're not helping ourselves, our families, the causes we care about. We're stressed. We're fearful. We can get depressed. You get the picture. So we've got to figure out some way to get comfortable with sales. We need to figure out the whole sales process. We've got to get comfortable with it and actually embrace it as part of serving other people. That's right, it's part of serving other people. And that's what we're gonna focus on in this particular episode, and it's why I wanted today's guest on the show. Arlene Karpaski is a national board-certified clinical hypnotherapist. She's a high-performance and sales coach and Darlene has been seen on ABC, Fox, CBS, and NBC News. She helps purpose-driven entrepreneurs create optimal brain chemistry so they can rapidly grow their sales and their income. She's helped nearly 7,000 individuals, entrepreneurs, and organizations achieve rapid transformation through intuitive communication skills training. She empowers professionals to give their prospective clients permission to choose a better life and see how their services offered by the professional 
are the answers to the prospective client's prayers. So listen in as Darlene and I discuss why solo professionals hate selling, how selling is actually serving, why sales scripts often don't work, how to show up powerfully in a sales conversation and not come across as a jerk, balancing selling the relationship of working with you with the fear of rejection, and what may be happening when you don't hear from a prospect after submitting a proposal, and what should happen before the proposal even gets submitted. We'll talk about what's a flexible offer and why that may in fact be a good approach for you and your clients. She'll share the biggest mistake made in the sales conversation and her best tip for scaling a practice. And she'll also share her best practice for making sure that you're building a life and not just a business. As always, listen all the way to the end where I'll share your cocktail exercise and action step for this episode. All right, so Darlene, thanks for joining me. I'm excited to have you here today. Hey, thank you, Winnie. I'm really excited as well. I couldn't stop thinking about you guys. <laughs> and, uh, I was floating through the weekend. Awesome. So let's just dive right in. So we both know so many people hate selling, and that's the actual language that they use, right? I hate selling. I've had people, I've been speaking at a presentation, and I've had somebody come up to me and go, you know, I really hate selling. And, and uh, you know, they just talk about selling and marketing and all of this negative kind of language. So you talk about how selling is actually service. Can you talk a little bit about what you mean by that and how you see the act of selling as potential, you know, serving the actual client? Sure. Yeah, I'd be happy to. Um, first of all, let me just say that I completely understand, you know, the I hate selling mentality. Um, you know, almost every single client I work with, that's where they come from. I hate selling. It doesn't make me feel good. And you know, the reality is most folks are walking around with what I call sales rejection syndrome. You know, you've had times when, you know, you were giving your best and, and you were, you know, as, as present as you could be and the person said no or they balked at the price. And, you know, what happens is you walk away from that experience, you know, doubting your worth, you know, feeling like you lost out, and it triggers all of that old stuff that, you know, previous experiences, maybe in your former job or growing up, you know, it hits us in those tender points. And there's like a whole community, you know, of neural pathways that are dedicated to the I hate selling <laughs> mantra. Um, so by the time you get to a sales conversation, you know, there's not a whole lot of you in the room, you know, because you're, you're wanting to protect yourself. Um, so let me just, you know, honor, honor people's experience around that, first of all. Um, so in terms of uh, how I've come to view selling as an act of service, for me, I, I see it that, um, you know, we're really caring enough to transcend those personal brain pathways and find a way to overwrite them so that we can influence somebody to have a better life. Because every single one of us who are purpose-driven and called to serve want to influence the world in a really positive way. And we want to do that by sharing ourselves. Um, so for me, I see selling as the 
first stage of transformation because they don't get to have a better life until they say yes. And that's what our role is. And, you know, in an interesting way, you know, when we bring clients into our services, you know, we're asking them to get really conscious of their behavior and their thoughts and their feelings, you know, all the things that weave together to hold a habitual state of problem in place in their lives. And I find it really fascinating that in order for us to be the greatest influence, we need to walk this path in how we even get to deliver services. Yeah, yeah, really well said. And I think that so many of us have our, have our own negative experiences when we're the buyer that that is part of what we're bringing with us when we say we hate sales. It's because of the emotional experience that we've had when we've been purchasing. And, you know, when, we, when we've made a big ticket purchase, it's a really uncomfortable position to be in when you feel like I don't know very much about making this purchase, but I'm going to try and spend this money but I'm afraid this person is going to take advantage of me. And I think that that emotional wound is one that many people carry around making a big ticket purchase. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Our, our experiences of what we have learned that is called selling isn't really what I call selling. My, my process is an intuitive influence, intuitive selling process. And you know, most of the time, yeah, if you walk into a store, you know, there's somebody, you know, hounding you immediately about, you know, what, what are you going to buy? You know, what can I do for you? Right. And there's an immediate reaction of wanting to avoid them. And so it's only natural that when it's you doing the selling that you're walking in and thinking, God, I don't want to recreate that for someone else. I know how yucky it felt for me. Right. I with them in that position. So I'm really glad we're talking about this because there's a whole different way of being and communicating that, that just isn't like what we've experienced in traditional selling at all. Yeah, I, and I think that that's a really important thing to acknowledge. So maybe you can, can talk a little bit more about this because I think one of the things that we fear dealing with is this whole concept of objections, right? That's when I think we're most afraid of feeling pushy or salesy when somebody voices an objection and then we're supposed to counter that objection somehow. Um, so how do you manage all of that in your head and, and know that then you're in this sales process? Is there, are there rules or a process. I think we're also looking for just some simple script that we can follow that's going to work all the time. And I don't think there is one. Is there really? So, so the question is like handling objections with a simple script. And is that really, does it really get you where you're going? Yeah. And yeah. Uh, in my opinion, what I've seen in my own life and what I've seen in working with thousands of people, no, it's not. <laughs> in fact, 
In fact, you know how, you know, we're really talking about, you know, our headspace and, you know, the, the brain chemistry that gets called up when we're, you know, heading into a sales conversation. You know, so if you look at your mind, you know, we always hear we're only using 10% of our total uh, brain capacity in running our lives. Um, so if we're only using 10%, think about this for a second. So out of that 10%, when we're meeting with someone, uh, for that sales conversation, that sign-up conversation, one part of our consciousness is sucked into the vortex of everything that's ever happened to us as a result of selling or rejection or self-worth. Okay, so that's taken up like a whole, a whole, I don't know, half of your brain, half of that 10%. And then what happens when um, we... Uh, use something or rely on scripts is another part of our consciousness is trying to hold on to how that script goes. Right. Okay, so research indicates that we are talking to ourselves in our heads at the rate of 500 words per minute. So when you consider that, how much of our attention and focus is actually on the potential client and the conversation. Does that make sense to you? It makes tremendous sense because I think one of the things that those of us who work in this space in, in terms of training, communication training, and I'm an old corporate trainer, we are so often caught up in forming our response. Yes. While you're, you know, that that also can sometimes, I think, get in the way of the entire conversation and this concept of being fully present and really listening and appreciating what the person is telling you in all the ways they're communicating. Yeah, and not just, you know, listening to what they're telling you, but reading between and hearing between the words, you know, for the deeper meaning. And I think, you know, what's happened um, when he is like this whole epidemic and, you know, scripts are all the rage in big Google land, while the primary focus is on marketing and client attraction, with little to no time spent on teaching entrepreneurs and coaches how to have conversations that easily turn into new clients and income. So... Um, you know, the worst part about all of this is that if you look at all the studies, they show you that the world's most successful people, not just entrepreneurs, but people, the number one skill they have are sales skills. Mm -hmm. And so for me, sales skills is really the art of being present and calling, you know, all of your emotional and mental resources into the moment so that you are fully present and empowered with the person sitting across the room for you. Because the truth is, you know, you can attract all the clients you want. And this is what I found in the early part, you know, of my business is that, you know, I was focusing a lot on helping people to find clients and to market their businesses. But then they weren't bringing in the business. And it just became so clear to me that, you know, my former training, you know, as a certified clinical hypnotherapist, it's like, oh, yeah, instead of going back and helping people overcome 
you know, trauma and, you know, emotional issues, I can use this to help people step into a future state where they're already successfully influencing all the clients they want to from a place of joy and abundance rather than the constriction um, of trying to fit your whole soul and your whole intention for what you want to give to this world into a tiny little script. Yeah, yeah, really well said. So, I, I, and, and that I think leads into that I've heard you talk about showing up powerfully in a sales conversation. And I think even that word powerfully can scare some people because we're concerned. We, we may equate powerful with overbearing or, you know, there are so many subtleties in, in how we all define terminology. Can you talk a little bit about this issue of showing up powerfully but still being our kind, compassionate selves? Is that possible? Yeah, it's it's not only possible, but I, I feel like it's what, you know, it's part of our our growth process as entrepreneurs. For me, the way I teach people to show up powerfully has a lot more to do with not being powerful like power over. You know, like if you, you know, hearken back for a moment to the you know, overcoming objections. That's real power over language, and it's real power over energy. What I'm talking about in terms of being powerful is having access to what I call your dormant success blueprint. Um, something that I've come to see that we're all born with and that we build upon with each success that we have. So, that's actually, you know, step two, you know, in my Extraordinary Influence and Sales Success Blueprint. It's so important, yet it's, it's totally overlooked. What if, you know, instead of heading into a sales conversation, um, you know, we came from all the places where we were successful and empowered and alive and just crackling with the light that we really want to convey to people. So instead of firing on the failures and the disappointments, we're, you know, our little brain cells are in there saying, yay, we get to fire on happy things. And instead of cortisol and stress hormones flooding you at the time you need to be at your best, you've got little happy hormones that are dancing around saying, it's a party and we're finally invited. <laughs> Um, and, and, you know, so much of this, you know, because I, I, I really appreciate so much what you do, you know, because, you know, like you coming from a corporate environment and bureaucracy, you know, we end up cutting off pieces of ourselves in order to fit into that environment. And this work is so amazing because it's like gathering up the missing pieces of you. Um, the fragmented pieces of you, the parts of your brain that aren't even talking to each other um, anymore. Because I know for me, when I left, you know, I, you know, and, 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 and worked to get my part-time into full-time, I, I didn't even realize in that first year that I was missing in action, you know. And even though I had left that toxicity 
the toxicity was still in me. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So, you know, part of this, you know, it's, it's not just, um, you know, training. It's, it's been my personal journey in terms of, you know, really recollecting the pieces of yourself so that um, you really aren't just selling. You are having really potent and powerful conversations with people. And so that's what I mean by showing up powerfully with all of you and, and the brilliance that you're meant to show up. Yeah, that's great. And I, I think that a lot of this negativity and, and toxic stew that we bring with us once we leave our corporate lives, we don't even realize that it's there a lot of times. We think we've escaped, hallelujah, and we focus on, you know, doing whatever it is we need to do to, to lay the foundation for this business that we're building. But that fear, fear has a long memory. And we're conditioned, I believe, to be, I don't care how healthy the work environment is that you work in. We're conditioned to be fearful of making mistakes because our economic future is tied to the person who is in power over us. And, it, it, you know, it's not for nothing that those of us in HR used to refer to as being terminated as capital punishment because mm. you've effectively killed somebody's career, really. I mean, or at least you've, you've set it back pretty profoundly. So at least the places where I worked, that was truly the last resort. And you had to be sure when you let that person go that there was no alternative for saving them somehow and helping them salvage their career. So to live with that daily fear that your life is in somebody else's hands, I think that that's almost like an emotional memory that comes into and can insert itself into a sales conversation. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's a container. It's a scar. Mm -hmm. it's, it's a scar and, and it contains who you really are and who the person sitting across from you needs you to be in order to awaken them. So mm -hmm. this whole experience is is about waking up the dormant places, the fragmented pieces, and allowing them to come back together in a really cohesive fashion. Because when people experience that, they experience a sense of wholeness that transcends whatever you're selling. You know, because you're not initially selling a service. You're really selling a relationship with you. And when I say selling, I just use that term to say right. you're, you're creating, hopefully creating a really high value relationship. And you do that by honoring and influencing the relationship with yourself and how you roll first. Yeah, and I'll be honest with you. I think that that's part of what is can be nerve-wracking about this because – so many of the people that I see, and I had the same issue, it, it get their sense of self-worth from whether or not that person says yes. So if that person says no to working with me, I suck. 
or I'm not a good person, or I'm not good enough, I'm not worthy. And so let's, can you talk about that a little bit, about that you're selling the relationship with you? Yes, I agree with that. But how do you deal with that fear that secretly if they say no, it means that I'm not a good person and I'm not worth being in relationship with? Yeah, yeah. Well, and I, you know, I've been there. I've, I've experienced it, you know, firsthand. And yeah, especially, I think it's especially hard, you know, if you don't have, you know, a system of creating regular appointments, you know, where you know you know, that you're going to get another opportunity to talk to someone, you know, it feels like, oh my God, you know, what did I just do? So you're not only triggering, you know, the past, you know, sense of worth and uh, all of it, but you're also like, okay, financially, you're feeling that strain in a big way. Yeah. Um, So in terms of, you know, the sense of, you know, it's scary because I'm selling myself first. It's interesting because I, I think that, you know, what I hear so often is I feel like an imposter, okay? I feel like an imposter, um, like they're going to see right through me. But, you know, what's really been occurring to me over the last two years in this work that I've been doing is that we often hear, okay, well, let's, let's just, okay, don't feel like an imposter, you're worthy, you're good, you're wonderful, and there's like this rush to hurry up and slam those emotions down of feeling like an imposter, but I really want to invite you to listen to those feelings because I believe that's your intuition speaking to you, telling you that you're not fully in the room. And it's not that you don't have the worth, it's that you're not there. So the rejection can't be personal because you're not fully in the experience. You're still, you know, in that protective zone. Um, but I also want to say, you know, I mean, that, I think that's your intuition. It's trying to indicate to you it's time for the rest of you to show up because I feel that we do have rejections more rejections when we're not being really authentic to who we are. And it's hard to do that when, you know, all those chemicals in your brain are firing on everything that's gone wrong. But make no mistake, it is personal. But only once you get into the room with people. But it's personal in the sense because um, uh, we want people to come, we want to help people come and play with us, okay? whether it's an initial meet and greet or the actual sales conversation. Um, So yes, it is personal, but I think it's a personal opportunity to say, if I feel like I'm an imposter, that's the part of me that knows there's more to me than has hit the stage. I think the other piece of that, for me anyway, is that it should be an incentive to be more authentic in your marketing experiences because if you are really presenting the real you and you're really presenting great information in your marketing elements, then the people who raise their hand and say, hey, I want to have a conversation with you should come. It's why I use the phrase pre-sell. 
it, it, it or the, the word pre-sale because they should really have done some of this work themselves so that they know you they know you're going to charge them something. They know they're not going to get this for free, right? So that that's right. just the function of, I can't go to the grocery store and just walk out with the eggs. I've got to pay a <laughs> for them, right? So, so I think that that should give us real permission to put more of our authentic selves in all of our marketing actions. You know, absolutely, absolutely. Um, I, I concur with you 100% right down to the eggs. Um, <laughs> I think that, you know, like there's this, this energy that's out there in marketing land, you know, um, not everywhere, you know, but in the big guru land. And, and, and I had it myself. I mean, I, I was in, I, I did what I call shape-shifting. I was shape-shifting all over the place because I felt like I had to like, be somebody or you know look a certain way blah 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 you know the list goes on and on but you know it was only when you know i did the work you know both the you know the energy work and also you know the intuitive communication work that everything just boom it just the lid blew off of my business and it became easy and effortless and i mean like to the point where I can't wait to go play in my business. I mean, it's like so much fun. But I mean, for the longest time, I felt like I was trapped in a living hell. Yeah. I just, I just didn't understand that the way that you create that is not by working towards it, but actually creating a, the future place in your mind because your mind doesn't know the difference between what's real and what's imagined, but creating such a high voltage vision and mission that it, it's so it's so magnetizing and compelling that you feel pulled into it. And so rather than partially committing to going all the way to be the influence you came to be, you feel like you can't not, you feel like you can't not go to the wall because you don't want to look back at the end of your life and say, I never showed up. I had all this rejection. I never showed up. So I was never really rejected. <laughs> that false image of me is what was rejected. You know, I don't know if this makes sense. It's just showing up. Yeah, I, I think it does, especially when we remember that we have uh, we've been conditioned to play a part in our previous lives our organizational lives whether you're a corporate professional or worked in some kind of other hierarchical organization you were conditioned to to survive in that role you played and it's one of the things that i don't think is talked enough about what happens when you go out on your own Mm -hmm. you you leave and it's not like you just flipped this the light switch when you turned off the lights in your office the last time you walked out of the building it it takes a level of detoxification mm -hmm. and it also takes a level of of understanding and and here's here's the analogy that i use so i was in a in a car accident in 1999 it was it was really bad I have a traumatic brain injury. And one of the things that 
and the, the care, I won't go off on a side, side road here, but the care is really all over the place. And it's, you have to work hard to get good care with a brain injury. But one of the things that you get told is that you really won't discover all the, the issues that you have until you attempt to enter back into your regular life. Because that's when you discover what you can't do. Laying in the hospital bed, they don't know what you can't do. It's when you, you try to go to work. This happened to me. Mm-hmm. And you sit at the keyboard, and I could hear in my head the email I was trying to compose, but I couldn't get my fingers to type. Mm-hmm. And I think when you know, we go out on our own and we have great intentions and, and these big dreams for both ourselves and our clients, but we don't realize that we have been scarred until we have, till we've gotten ourselves in a situation that requires us to call on skills and, and talents that we didn't realize that, you know, that are now in a different place. I hope that's, that's making sense. We're, it's still influence. Uh, you know, I was an influencer for mm-hmm. the employers that I, I, where I worked. Mm-hmm. I was able to get my way uh, uh, many times, and I was able to have great outcomes for the training classes that I ran and the inside consulting that I did, and that's influence, right? But I never fully appreciated that it was the same set of skills just used in a different way. And for that for your business. Right. And once I was able to make that connection, I was able to start losing the emotional I'm not good enough that mm-hmm. I just am just explaining how I can help somebody. This is what I did in my corporate job. I would explain to somebody how I can help them. Mm-hmm. I got paid regardless. That was the easy part. Um, yes. But I think that that's, I think that's part of what the big challenge is that we've somehow gotten scrambled. Yeah. Scrambled, scrambled really sums it up. And I, I so appreciate the story that you shared, you know, about your accident and ensuing brain injury, because, you know, we, talk so much about our minds and you know we try to influence our minds at the conscious level in the same way that we try to influence prospective clients with conscious communication but our gifts our soul gifts if you will and our resources and strengths lie in that subconscious realm Mm-hmm. And with the prospective clients we're speaking to, we need to get beyond that conscious, which looks a lot more like coercion or talking people into things. And that's what we don't want to do. Right. We need to get into that subconscious dialogue where we're talking to the parts of them that have already become unscrambled, the parts of them that are already living um, the life that they envision and, and really want to bring uh, bring into reality. And so that's the whole ele- essence of intuitive influence is going beyond the scramble and into the place where you already have access to that information. It's just a matter of where, where is it, where did I put it, and how do I get it to show up in the new context in my life? Yeah, yeah. And I think that so often business is like a one-pitch softball game sometimes, Mm -hmm. right? We just don't 
allow enough time for planning and practicing. And then if we're not bringing in enough leads, right, enough steady conversations, yeah. every, every conversation is a one-pitch softball game. So we either swing and hit it or we swing and miss. And if you, there's not the next person who's coming up behind that one, or if we haven't, you know, I had a practice partner, I, I called her, who we used to just practice scenarios with each other and develop that comfort of saying things out loud. Mm-hmm. And it's a skill. Part of it is a skill and, 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 and a muscle building, if you will. Yeah, it, it is so much muscle building, um, Winnie. And when you're talking about this and, you know, the, the one the one pitch softball game, Boy, it just really reminds me of a number of clients I work with who are actually sales professionals. And I was floored when they told me I was the first coach they ever worked with who actually did role plays out loud where I was the client and they were themselves, obviously. But we actually did role plays so that they could begin to, you know, to weave this new way of being elegantly into those little brain cells so that they soaked them up and said, oh my goodness, this is so much fun, rather than, okay, we have hundreds of, hundreds of miles of neural networks that say, nope, can't learn anything new. Can't learn anything new. Mm, nope, because it doesn't fit into my world. And that's the exact same conversation we're having with prospective clients. Mm. You know, it's not the money objection. It's really the objection to changing. That's a great point, yes. To committing to change. Mm -hmm. And without any practice, without, you know, setting the stage for that, like you said, you know, you you really don't have a fighting chance. Right, right. So a few years ago, I had several conversations with several different potential clients that all had a similar outcome and it was not positive. And I was in a true consulting business model at that time. And for each one of these people, I had a meeting, I did, I wrote an elaborate proposal. I would take easily a day or two to actually write the proposals. A lot of thought went into it. Um, because I was really customizing the work that would be done for these people. And I would have a conversation with them and go over, here's how I would approach this. Here's what that's going to, here's the investment, you know, that's going to be for you. And they would all say, of course, I'll get back to you. And they never did. And I never heard from them again, in spite of my best follow-up efforts. And, you know, is there something that is wrong in there? Is there some way to diagnose that as, as here's what you did that was wrong? I think that that happens to a lot of people um, where the person, you, you get, no matter how you structure it, you give them the price and then it's, okay, I'll get back to you. And, and I think that that's really the point of tension, isn't it? Because how, and, and I think that that's where some of the, now I feel pushy if I say, well, when, 
let's schedule an appointment. And, you know, if there's any kind of pressing them for an answer, that's where a lot of discomfort lies. So I know that's a big, you know, pile of stuff I'm kind of throwing out there, but <laughs> any, any two cents, any enlightenment you can share on that one would be great. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I'm glad you put it out there. I mean, with, you know, all the stuff attached to it and all, because, yeah, I mean, when that happens, it's like a big thud, you know, it's like you have that connection, and then suddenly, you know, you transition into the money conversation, and thud, you know, it just, you know, like, it's like a hole opens up in the earth, and everything, and everyone, and your whole, you know, sense of well-being gets sucked into it. Um, so, you know, in terms of, you know, the outcomes, <clears throat> for me, you know, like the intuitive influence and selling process, you know, it actually starts well before, you know, the, the pre-paving of that and, and, and setting that up starts before you have the sales conversation. So I've already mentioned that, you know, uh, at least along the lines that, you know, what you say and how you say it matters, but where you come from, your energy matters most of all. So there's the energetic readiness, if you will, um, so that, you know, you're not unintentionally firing uh, your money issues into the room where it's subliminally picked up by the other person, especially when you say out loud, and this is, you know, $6,947, okay? So there's a lot of there's a lot of pieces before that. So, you know, it would depend on, you know, how you set up the conversation and if you help them to paint a really vivid picture of where they're at and where they want to be and then ultimately doing something that most uh, helping uh, purpose-driven people don't want to do, which is to allow people to re-experience the pain in that process. Yeah, yeah. Because we're uncomfortable with pain. Yeah, and right. so there's a rush to, there's a rush to when people speak of the pain and the suffering to, oh, I totally understand, you know, I've been there too, I get it. That's why I'm here. I'm here to help. We're going to work on this. And the intention behind it is really loving and caring. However, that's not the place to go because you're rushing in and actually sabotaging the opportunity for that prospective client to actually come in for a landing. Because you know how we've talked about, you know, as practitioners as entrepreneurs we we come in and have like a whole host of you know stuff that keeps us unfocused uh, uncentered and just bouncing from idea to idea to shiny object to shiny object well the person in front of us comes in with their own set of that and so that's why you know the energy part of you having a place to come from is so important but when you get to the place where you know you're painting you know, the picture of the gap, you really want them to unfold into that pain and to touch it deeply. Because unless they do, they're just going to bounce right out of that conversation and back into their lives where they'll just be sucked into the same swirling vortex 
and maybe not talk to another person about this for months or years about the possibility of making this change in their lives. So I know this sounds like pressure, um, but this is manageable pressure. It's manageable pressure to, to be able to hold the space for someone and facilitate not only the words that you say, but the energy that comes up in the conversation. Because if you get to the money part of the conversation and there's an immediate eh, then what that tells me is that you haven't spent the time up front painting the value and the urgency, and not an artificial urgency, an urgency that comes from within, right. that resonates with the pulse and the heartbeat of the individual you're speaking to, because they want the change or they wouldn't be having the conversation with you. Right. They know. And the only question is, is this the conversation where I'm actually going to not step over what you call objections, but what I call all the reasons that I won't give myself permission to have the life I want? Because they're not objections against us. They're the objections the person has in having their own best life. And man, if we can hold that state of energy for them, and, and allow them to dip into it and naturally address, you know, intuitively address the objections, which is what, what I teach people to do is intuitively ad address objections before you ever get to the money part of the conversation and the signing up part of the conversation. They are with you because they know you're with them. You're not even thinking about I need this sale because you are totally with them and allowing them to experience the challenge, the difficulty, the pain. Right. And right. then and then creating, you know, an elegant process where, you know, you literally enable them to sell themselves on your services. It takes the weight off of you. And it empowers them, which is what we all want. We want to empower people. So we need to speak the language and, you know, um, uh, connect with them through their own secret language codes, the way that they see the world, perceive the world, and connect with them through that portal. And then they feel safe enough. They feel safe enough to potentially say yes regardless of the price. Yeah, I think all that's, that's powerful because really we are offering them an opportunity to make change. And it's a, do I deserve this? Am I worthy of this? Am I going to do what's my half of the bargain, right? Because whoever is being hired, the expert that's being hired to provide this service, provide this solution or transformation, that person has to participate in it. And if there's any hint of self-sabotage, if they've got any of their own issues, which I'm sure they do, then that only makes things, it makes it an even bigger decision for them. Am I going to step into what's being offered to me or am I going to just say no right now? Yeah. 
and and you know you're 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 really hitting on the flashpoint of this whole whole conversation and that is this is when their self saboteurs will show up in a big way the mistake that happens within you know us as practitioners and entrepreneurs is that we personalize that Right. And then, you know, and, and instead of, okay, so there's this thing that they're, okay, this is a no in this area. That's when we need to, like, detach from, from getting the sale completely. Just let it go and go right back into rapport with them and ask the questions to more deeply understand what it is they're experiencing. And, man, I have gone through, like, many thousands of hours of training and sales over the years. And... So many times it's like, okay, well, you know, you, you coach people to help them find the money. No, that's a tactical skill. People, that's not who we are. That's yeah. not who we are, and that's not the, that's not influence. That's something totally different. So, so yes, that, that's the flashpoint, is we're going to meet their saboteurs, and we need to be, you know, in our own power so that we don't mistakenly take that on as a rejection of us. We need to stay in the energy state of being with them right through that whole what we call objection process because that's really, really, truly the first phase of transformation for them. That's it. Like, am I really going to get past all this BS I've been living my whole life? Right. Am I going to get past the BS that's kept me from having the marriage, the you know, the income, the, the kids, the relationship with my mom that's not working well. I mean, whatever it might be. You know, they're leaning into that conversation big until, you know, you get to the place where, okay, the rubber's going to meet the road. I'm going to make a decision here. And that leads me also to say that the whole proposal model that you mentioned, been there and done it and made beautiful proposals and customized everything, no, you customize after you have the person come into the program. You sell the service first, and you, you get the sign-up. I, I work with people to make the decision that day. And if they don't, you know, I do have a bonus that I include that's an incentive, a very high-value bonus. And I don't do it as a form of manipulation. I do it because I want to see them have the life that they want. Because if they don't work with me and they go work with someone else, I'm still happy. I know I've got more clients that are going to sign, set up appointments with me. I really want them to be able to step into their yes. And we customize afterwards. So if somebody needs 24 hours to think about it, but I can tell you that 90% of the time you want to be able to take the sale and get the first credit card payment at or during that conversation because you're energetically connected. They've touched those pain points where, you know, they know they need to make a change. And as soon as they're out of that conversation with you, like I said, they're going to go back into the swirling vortex of their lives. And they're going to still be missing things and beating themselves up because they're not getting it. Because they didn't say yes. Right. To themselves and right. that's what I really see as our responsibility and our the blessing because we said we came in and said I want to influence so right. yeah, this is part of the enchilada that comes with it it's the side dish right <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about 
And I think that kind of touches on this issue of flexible offers that I've heard you speak about. Mm -hmm. Can you explain that term? And is that what you're alluding to, that you customize once the yes has been made and that your, your offers are not completely black and white all the time? Yeah, my, I, I have a basic structure that I use. You know, I offer both individual and group. So there's part of what I mean by flexible. So okay. it's not a just a yes or no to one offer that's like, you know, whatever, you know, dollar amount that is for individual, right. which is your highest end offer. You know, uh, one of the things I love to teach is about creating high value relationships. And sometimes that seven ten thousand dollar contract comes in because you brought somebody in at you know 197 297 you know for a couple of weeks you know where people could experience you and build rapport with you um and then that can be a gateway you know to them saying i love this but now i see i really do need the individual attention to go quickly toward what i want to do right um the other part of flexible uh this is all part of the language part of uh, intuitive influence. And that is, um, you know, like, like, let's say you've got a program just loosely. And, I, and I, I'm not a big fan of, you know, creating all kinds of programs and, and doing launches. I don't believe in it. It's not necessary to create a really healthy, profitable business at all. Um, but you want to have you want to have those, you know, stepping stones. But the language, the, the, the the language part of this is like if you're talking with someone who, uh, let's say, is really, really having, I, I'm just going to say like a marriage coach or relationship coach, they really want to bring someone into their lives. And throughout the conversation, you know, you've been listening in to their secret language codes and, and they're talking about, you know, how you know, being able to meet and have their soulmate would really make them feel more alive and connected to what, you know, they really want to create in the world. Because for some of us, that's exactly, you know, what it is. You know, we need that, that, that love relationship. So you want to use the language that they use throughout the conversation in how you name the segments of your steps, okay? So rather than, okay, well, you know, soulmate forever is, you know, soulmate forever code, you know, is step two or, or something like that, you use their language. It's like, okay, um, you, you use the language of how, whatever they use mm -hmm. that has meaning and purpose to them. Right. So that's part of flexing is the language because they'll relate to language that they've already shared and that's already part of their universe. Does that make sense? It, yeah, it, it really does. It, it really does. Um, and you feel that works for all of the solo professional kind of professions, the coaches, consultants, healers, etc. Absolutely. Yeah. My, okay. my clients are financial planners, coaches, salespeople, doctors, chiropractors. I mean, there's a whole wealth of people. Okay. Awesome. Yeah, you want to give people that flexibility and, and, and create it in the language, you know, that they're using. And when you're really present, it's easy to do. 
you know, so you can even say, well, you know, this is step two of my program, and you know how you talked about, you know, blank, blank, blank. Well, this is where we're going to do that. So they know that this is really customized to them. So you customize it in the conversation. Okay, great, great. So let's talk now, shift gears a little bit, and let's talk about the what I refer to as the courageous actions that entrepreneurs need to really engage in to build a thriving, successful business. And I'd love to get your thoughts on each one of these. So first is marketing. How do you think marketing influences the sales process? We've kind of alluded to that a little bit in the beginning of our conversation. Well, let me answer that by saying that I think in most cases people are building their businesses backwards, that we need the sales process where, you know, we're doing that inner work. Because for me, the intuitive selling process, it's, it's the inner work, you know, a couple of weeks of that to just, you know, get yourself in the room. And then from there, you really have an opportunity to have a much better sense and ability to illuminate your soul gifts, the things that really might influence and shape how you niche and who you work okay. with. You know, just like Harry Potter, um, you know, has you know, had his scar. It was the source of his greatest vulnerability, but it was also the source of his greatest power. And so I think the sales, the back end should influence the first before the other side, and that's how I create my programs for people so that they already have the sales process in place before they go out and start attracting clients. Okay. Yeah. So what do you think is the biggest mistake that people make in the sales conversation? Um, I think it's joining with people around lack, poverty, and, and money rather than speaking beyond that and speaking to the part of them that's already gone on to the successful outcome. Okay. Next up is fulfilling, right? Client fulfillment. What is your best tip for scaling a solo practice? So, um, or is this just not a realistic thing that, that there's that we're going to be limited by who we can work with in general? I think, you know, the key to scaling a solo practice is recognizing that your energy is really meant to be in the serving area. And so bringing in um, a low-cost and well-vetted virtual assistant to start to take some of the tasks off of your shoulders that can be done by someone else with a little bit of, you know, a little bit of training, a couple of Word docs and a a training conversation. Um, number two, it's having uh, multiple offers, you know, not just the individual, but a group, and not a group where, you know, you spend weeks preparing for it, but a group where you actually just create it around one thing, and you, you create a group around one thing, and you bring people in as a pilot and let them help you build it so that, you know, you're not carrying the weight again of all of this. This is not about doing everything in your own power, but in being real, bringing people in at a low cost, asking them to, um, um, you know, be the founding members of your group, and, and knowing that it takes both individual and group so that you ever have the opportunity to go and play and travel um, and swim in the pool if you want to. <laughs> awesome. Next is creating. 
And there's a lot of guru advice out there about this, that talking about how it's important to create courses and products to grow revenue and to grow a business. Do you agree with that? Is that an important thing that we should all be moving towards, do you think? Well, you know, I, I think I answered part of that in the last question um, magically. Uh, <laughs> so, yes, I think that creating courses not based on going ahead and creating a whole course and doing it before you really have people involved. Right. I, I've created literally hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of groups. And, and in the time that I did that over the years, my groups always had people who wanted to come into them. And it partially had to do with the fact that, you know, it was just, it was tailored around what I thought people wanted by going in and actually uh, doing the grassroots research and finding out. And then inviting people to come and tell me, did I get it right? <laughs> or what's missing? Yeah, yeah. Because then, you know, I was called into, I was called into higher service, if you will. And that harkens back to the whole perfectionism thing. This is not about being perfect. We get to create really awesome, successful practices when we can just be real and let people help us at that grassroots level. Great. Managing, and I know we touched on this a little bit with the, your mentioning, your recommendation of getting a VA, but there are so many facets to managing a business as you grow it. What's something that you spent more time on when it comes to managing your business that, or that you wish you had spent more time on when it comes to managing your business? Anything that you think you needed to pay more attention to? Absolutely. Organization of all these things that I created. I could have been earning passive income so much faster had I organized my stuff in advance or had it organized in a way that I could see the threads that ran through things. Oh my God. I mean, I had complete systems and didn't even realize it because I wasn't organized. Yeah. You know, I came from that corporate world you know, as a director, I had a couple of secretaries. They took care of so many things for me. And I just, that's, that's always been one of my things. It's like, oh, organizing, you know, the, the, the madness that goes on in a business. Yeah. 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 No, I think that's a really great, great point. And how about growing? That as the business grows, we need to grow, of course, as people and as professionals. So is there one area that you think most solo professionals really should put more emphasis on learning and growing in? Well, here, you know, again, I think that yeah, we need to grow as people, but my experience and working with several thousand people, it's been when you grow, your business grows. Yeah. When you grow, your business grows. Um, and more than mindset where you're, you know, talking to yourself, consciously trying to change your life at the conscious level, you know, to really um, invest in having uh, someone to be able to help you rapidly access the subconscious resources, the past successes, um, that really, um, it can just take you to the next level and just, wow. I mean, that's, I really, it was so huge for me. Like back when I was a therapist, I was surrounded by people who 
constantly talked about not being in it for the money. And believe me, you know, there were many years when we didn't get raises. And there came a time when I was working three jobs. And I thought, man, I need to be in it for the money. I already know I care about people deeply. Right. You know, and I'd had my own journey, you know, going through you know, disability and, um, you know, depression and anxiety. And I needed, I needed to be different. So I went and I, I did my own work. Had, you know, sat in the chair and um, it was the easiest thing I've ever done in my life. And I, I came back and I just, within seven months, I doubled my income That's in a field great. where they said I, that would never happen. So I kept really quiet about it because I like, <laughs> tick people off. <laughs> so the stuff is really powerful. Yeah. And I've seen this process work in my clients' lives, you know, where they've doubled, tripled their income. And it, it has to do with, like, connecting here and here, you know. That's the biggest piece. Yeah, yeah. And it's the last thing we, you know, thing to focus on because we think I'll get to that after I do all these other actions, you know? Yeah. We don't realize, we don't realize just how amazing we are and what we have available to us. Yeah. And I think we're always so, so a little fearful of that because there's that whole, I'm not worthy to be amazing. That can't possibly be true for me. So there's so much baggage around all of that, I think. And, and I'm so glad you brought that up because I had this thought a little earlier. It's not about being worthy for you. You know, there's a lot of us who are wired, you know, we're just not motivated unless we're doing things for others. It's about being worthy for others. Yeah, that's a great point. About being worthy enough for others. Because, you know, if it came to our best friends, you know, our spouses, our kids, we become heroic creatures on the planet. Yeah. We can lift cars. We can move mountains. And so let the clients you were born to serve be the reason you choose worthiness yeah. once and for all. That's, that's really a great comment. Yeah, thank you. That, that, that is really, that's really powerful. Yeah. Um, so last is living, but of course, by no means least. What is one of your best practices for making sure that you're building a life and not just a business? Oh, I love this question. Um, for me, one of my best practices is really, and I, I think I alluded to this earlier, is creating a high voltage vision. And that high voltage vision, you know, literally in extreme detail, highlights all the things in my bucket list and everything that I, you know, am doing in my life and what I'm contributing to causes, you know, and, and it's from the state of having it already been, having that it's already been done. And, you know, prayers that give thanks that this is already done. Um, that's, that, that's really for me is is huge and then every 12 weeks you know I pick something on the bucket list that I put on the calendar and that you know I pay for and I I did this whenever you know I was I was on the skids when I, I did this when I was on the skids it was like an act of faith and I did it 
and I started doing all these things on my bucket list and everything changed. Well, wow. you know, living from the place that it's already done because like I said, you know, our minds don't know the difference. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's, that's so fantastic, Darlene. I could go on for days, but listeners will be happy to know that I won't. Um, can you share with us just a, a little bit about exactly what it is you do with clients and where folks can go to learn more about you and connect with you? Sure. Yeah, I'd love to, Winnie. Um, I am a high performance and sales coach, and I help people to uh, tap into their inner resources and use them so they can be the highest contribution they were meant to be and be able to speak and hear and navigate conversations with clients to help them be able to say yes to their lives, to the lives that they most want. Um, and in terms of getting in contact with me, you can find me at yourmissiontomoney.com. And if you go to that site, at the very top, you'll see, uh, let's get started. There's a little button there. It's green. It's a happy green. Uh, and you can just go ahead and click on that. And that'll take you over to my Master the Money Talk freebie. Okay. Um, and I also have a webinar uh, masterclass that I'll be doing on uh, sign-up secrets. Uh, in, in a couple of weeks. So, you know, if you grab that freebie, then I'll be able to notify you of that upcoming masterclass where you'll, you'll really get a lot of juicy details on, on what this looks like on the ground. Outstanding. That's fantastic. Thank you so much. And of course, we'll have links to, uh, to that site as well as all of Darlene's social contacts. So you can hook up with her online and, and uh, get what she's got going. So thank you so much for your time and such great information, Darlene. I appreciate it. Thank you, Winnie. I, I really value uh, this conversation and the opportunity to be with all of you. Uh, it's a blessing. Thank you so very much. All right, I hope you found that interesting and enjoyed it. Darlene has a fascinating perspective and such a calm demeanor. It's soothing just to talk to her. Now, if you like this episode, please share it with those in your, that are in your circle, your connections. Please leave a great review for it on the platform where you consumed it. And be sure to subscribe either on that specific platform like iTunes, iHeartRadio, Google Play, you can subscribe to the video version on YouTube, but when you subscribe on my website at winnieanderson.com fans, you'll get episodes emailed right to your inbox each week along with corresponding worksheet for that episode. You can also find each worksheet in the show notes for that episode. Now, in addition to the episodes, you'll get information, tips, and resources to help you come out of hiding, get your message out in a more powerful way, and achieve your business goals so you can profit from your expertise. All right, so your cocktail exercise, otherwise known as a reflection exercise. No alcohol needs to be involved. Don't drink and drive. Don't overindulge. All right, so your reflection exercise is to think about your own mindset and approach to sales. Are you coming into a sales conversation desperate to make the sale and get the customer, or are you coming into it from a place of helpfulness and service? What beliefs do you have? What stories do you tell yourself around sales and selling? 
Do you think salespeople are manipulative and out for themselves, or do you see them as helping you come to a decision and acquire things that you need and want? Do you have a system that works for you, works to attract the right people, and then help them through their buying process with grace? All right, now, your action step or steps as the case may be, too often we're showing up to a conversation that the prospect thinks is a marketing conversation, a just to get to know you kind of conversation, and we show up ready to have a sales conversation. Well, right away we start on the wrong foot. So here are some things that you can do. First of all, keep in mind sales is tied to marketing. It starts with marketing. I think of it as pre-selling, and that's actually what I call it. It's, it's the approach that I advocate. And there are four general steps in this, right? So you want to educate them about the problem they have. You're going to elevate yourself in their eyes. You're going to inspire them about what's possible for them when they commit to making these changes. And you're going to invite them to take the next reasonable step for them. So are you doing enough to educate people about the problem? Is the content you produce of high quality? Is it discoverable? Meaning, is it online and easy to find? It's well organized, it's shareable. Do you share it across multiple platforms, including where your audience tends to go for that information? Does the content you share educate them about the problem itself? What's happening in the market? the impact of the problem, and why they should solve it now, uh, the options that are available to them, all the elements that people need to understand the depth of the problem and then make a decision. Do you have content that helps them understand how to choose the right solution provider for them? That piece is super important because it will help repel the wrong people. Do you have key pieces of content that help the potential buyer to navigate their own buying process and connect with their own values and their own decision-making process and priorities? Does it help them understand their problem, understand its impact, why it's important to solve it right now? Does it help them see the powerful value that you offer and so they know that you're the best solution for them or not? Because if we're because we're not right for everybody, right? Next is look at your messaging. And really ask yourself what you're sharing, if what you're sharing comes from a strong and clear point of view. Does it make clear what you stand for and give someone a sense of what it would be like to work with you? Does it elevate you as an authority? Do you have proof elements, things that help them see that you've done this kind of work before and that, that you've done something similar at least and that you've worked with other people? Are you building trust with them, in other words, so they can they can believe that they can get similar results and because you've done it with other people, you've done it in you know, for past employers, that you haven't just started doing this yesterday, right? So proof elements are things like testimonials, statistics, work samples, anything that demonstrates your competence and your credibility. It's why I love video so much because it really connects to people very quickly. So today's buyer wants to interact with your content first. Remember, people work with those they know, like, and trust. So you want to provide them with content that helps them do that while educating them, inspiring them about what's possible, 
all because people generally resist making change, so they have to feel good about doing it, right? You want to make sure that you invite them to take the next reasonable step, and all of these steps are helping them decide they want to move closer towards working with you, interacting with you, and having a conversation. So you want to include things that really help them say, no, they don't want to work with you. Right, you want to help them as they come closer to you, they feel more confident and you feel more confident that the people you're going to have actual conversations with really want to talk to you, right? Because time is the most precious asset that we have. We'll never get it back once it's spent. So we want to make sure that they are having a high value conversation with us and we want to make sure we're having a high value conversation with them. So if this is not right for them, they're able to self-select out of the process as fast as possible, right? And you're communicating value this whole way. You're helping people recognize the value you bring so that by the time price you know, gets involved, they feel completely great about it, they're focused on the value, and they're committed to paying you, right? To work with you and paying what you ask. Be sure to visit winnieanderson.com slash salesmindset so you get the notes and resources and especially the worksheet for this episode. And remember, if you're an introverted, mission-driven solo professional or you're someone with introverted leanings, you're ready to get support to reach your business development goals as part of a community of like-minded and like-personality professionals, then head over to winnieanderson.com slash join the group and join my Facebook group for introverted, mission-driven entrepreneurs on a mission. Thanks for listening, and remember, you deserve all the success you dream of.